This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode of Afterwork Drinks is sponsored by Etoile Collective. Etoile aims to enhance the lifestyle of beauty enthusiasts with everything you may need for your beauty room. Think vanity mirrors, furniture, lighting equipment, makeup organizers, and travel cases. Create your ultimate glam space with Etoile Collective today. Visit www.etoilecollective.com.au. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Afterwork Drinks With. Today, we are incredibly excited to be speaking to Liv Little. Liv is the founder of Galdem, which is an incredibly popular and successful British digital and print publication made by women and non-binary people of colour. We found out about Galdem when we moved to the UK a year ago, and we are such massive fans of everything they do. Liv launched Galdem when she was just 21, and she was still a student at the University of Bristol, creating the magazine because she felt like she didn't have a real community there and because she wanted to diversify the incredibly white media landscape. 94% of British journalists are white. In the last five years, she's transformed it into one of the most formidable voices of new media. So in the UK, Galdem are a really big deal. They have partnered with everyone from the Tate to the BBC and the Guardian, Google and Nike. We've actually caught Liv at a really fascinating time in her career. So in September, she announced that after five years as editor and CEO, she was stepping down in those roles, handing them over to her long-term collaborator, Marielle Richards. Liv is actually going back to school to study at university again, which is incredible. And she'll be staying on at Galdem as president of the board. So with a slightly less hands-on role than she had before. We were really excited to talk to her because we wanted to get her perspective on the changing nature of women's magazines. We wanted to learn about how she monetized this business and just about what it was like to be a 21-year-old CEO of a rapidly expanding company. Full disclosure, we had some unforeseeable technical issues with this chat, which means we unfortunately lost a chunk of the conversation. But everything that we have left is fantastic. So please enjoy and we will see you next week. Um, so Liv, you started Galdem when you were at the University of Bristol um, and you've said in the past that it was because you 
um, had moved away from home, which is quite different to university in New Zealand and Australia. So you move somewhere and you um, don't have your friends and family around and you realize very quickly, I think you were the only person of color in your university class, um, that you didn't have a community there and you wanted to find your people. Um, can you talk a bit about actually how the process of starting such something that's turned into such a major publication and successful business actually went? I think for me on a really personal level, like the reason why I wanted to start it, start it and I wanted to connect with, with people, with women, with women and non-binary people of colour was because I needed a network. I needed to find some women who shared in my experiences and who I could connect with. I desperately needed it. I was in a really low kind of place just thinking, you know, is this what is this what um, my university experience is going to be about? Is this what life and you know media and everything is going to be about? I think it's incredibly important that we've carved out a space for ourselves. Um, word spread about the idea. People were interested. People were reaching out as well as me reaching out. Um, you know, we formulated a team in the early days that has now very much shifted and changed. People have gone on to do all sorts of incredible things with their um, with their lives and, and kind of careers. Um, and, and I guess, yeah, definitely different people have shaped the journey and, and Galdem at different, at different points. It quite quickly brought together this community and that, that is the same community who we, um, who, we, who we serve. You know, we are the community and we also represent that community, which I think is a, quite a beautiful thing. Um, but yeah, it was, it, was the, it was the powers of the internet, I think, that really galvanised um, and brought brought us together introduced me to people that i didn't know that existed in bristol not even necessarily people that kind of became editorial members of staff or or even you know in that way but but friendships i think as well um that was important and a lot of those people who i'm still very good friends with today um but yeah i mean it it was um it was it was just it managed to transform what was quite a horrible time and experience and turn it into something quite positive, albeit a struggle to juggle everything. And I think that struggle to juggle characterised the first couple of years with me and my well-being. I remember like losing bits of my hair in my final year and all of that kind of stuff. But fundamentally, it was a beautiful experience. And I mean, now obviously it's transformed into this like very successful business where you're employing lots of people you have a print magazine coming out every year how big were your aspirations at the time versus how it's turned out I think I mean honestly I think at the beginning it was not (laughs) there weren't necessarily business aspirations attached to it I think that evolved when the community evolved and and demonstrated that there was a need for this thing to exist to the point where we knew that it had to exist with a formalized infrastructure that meant that it could sustain and conti- and could continue to be like this really important source and space. And as I was saying, you know, it's this, this thing about what does that model look like? Because I don't believe that for a media organization, it's sustainable to be in the funding um, model in terms of um, grants and that sort of thing. And I also don't believe that the, this thing of scaling to too fast too quickly works we've seen we've seen it not work with like pretty much every media organization that has gone (laughs) that has done it in that way um but yeah it was it was it was evident that um that that we had that we had to kind of formalize and that we had to make it work and fundamentally it wasn't going to be sustainable it wasn't sustainable working a full-time job in telly and also a full-time job of trying to run a business and 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 all that sort of stuff right so it was evident that things had to change, had to happen. And that was in maybe year end of year one or year two, it was evident. And then 
I think year three was spent, I spent a year, I basically was like, right, I'm scared, but I'm going to have to go freelance and like spend time doing business development and like learning about this scary world of investment. Um, but yeah, it was, it was the community that demonstrated the need for this to exist beyond what it was at the time. So we wanted to ask you about how you dealt with being a CEO at such a young age. You were literally 21 when you launched Galdium, which is wild. And a lot of the people who worked for you, as you mentioned before, are very good personal friends. And it's something we've talked a lot about in the media is when you're all so young and you're all friends and you're all going to fun work events together, the lines can get blurred and it can be really hard to manage people, especially in your early 20s when you're concerned with being liked or being seen as being nice. Uh, how did you manage that? Yeah, I think that's difficult as well. And I think that mistakes get made and I think that boundaries get blurred. And I think it's, you know, I think that as, as we've grown, the more we've kind of had to formalize our processes and way of working because yeah, of course it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a nice, um, not nice, but it's a, it's a company that has like values, right. And, and cares about the people that work there. And it's also like a business environment. So it's not like the same as a friendship thing. So it's, it's a, it's an interesting one to navigate. And I think for me personally, like having mentors to lean on has been really useful. Um, for my well-being and and like development of skills that's been I have a lot of mentors and I always speak about this because having having people that you can turn to and speak to and cry to and laugh with and feel all the things with um who have been in their career for a lot longer than you have I think is really useful um I'm like about to start mentoring someone like I've done it informally but formally from from the new year because I recognize how much benefit I have I have kind of had from having that support system in that network and also training. Like we've had, um, we work with an amazing woman, an amazing company who's come in and delivered various bits of training. But I think it's a continuous process of like evaluating and, and sometimes things work and sometimes things don't work and sometimes things go, go well and sometimes things don't go so smoothly. Um, but you just, you have to be committed to trying, you know, um, and to learning and to growing and to, because it's, it's a, it's a continuous state of being, which I've realized the more, the more that time has, has progressed. It's a, it's like a reflexive, reflective kind of process, you know, it's ongoing. Part of the reason that Gaudem is so remarkable is because we're seeing kind of mass magazine closures, uh, the magazines that me and Izzy worked for in Australia, so El Harper's Bazaar and InStyle were all closed during this pandemic. There's a kind of industry-wide panic about what the future of print looks like and even digital media, a lot of major brands are really struggling to effectively monetize and yet Gaudem kind of started as this small niche publication that has gone on to be hugely successful financially and partnered with some of the biggest brands in the world in really creative ways um your job as ceo was to oversee a lot of the financial side of the business and we just wanted to ask you about how you went about entering the kind of investment space and the general financial space which is very intimidating to anyone who doesn't really know the language it's a very straight white male atmosphere so what was that process like for you yeah and i think it's not to be underestimated for for the for for people who do manage to do it it's it's difficult i've got friends i'm friends with them various people who who have done it who run media organizations um who are like you know similarly independent and 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 relatively small um in the context of the landscape and it's and it's a difficult thing you know i and i really like i said i had to take a year out to learn to plan to understand and to build like connections and like relationships with because if you're not 
I think that there are so many people who go into it being from that world and having like these connections and these contacts and things and understanding the language. And I had to learn that language and the terminology and the like process and the things that you, you're not really supposed to do, but like no one tells you that you're not all, you know, all of these things is just like hidden language and stuff, but it's very, it is doable. I don't, I don't say that to scare people because it is doable. It's just like, it is just like learning another, another skill set you know and 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 one that requires time for you to learn it to do it properly and I'm fortunate I worked with like a really amazing woman who does kind of business development um over the course of that year um and that was like an amazing investment but honestly it is it's doable and I and people people should absolutely go for it and just go go for it with your eyes wide open we were really fortunate in that we've got some amazing investors and you know, we had a couple people come on, on board Re- really early on. I say that we spent a year obviously planning and building the relationships and then a couple of months raising. And we did a small amount. And I think that was, it was deliberate to do it, to do a small amount um, so that we could build ourselves up to a point where we will do a bigger amount and, and, and grow the organization in a way which feels as though it is going to be sustainable. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's um it's uh it's um it's a new world i also you know i'm really fortunate that i've had people like sharma um sharma dean reed who runs like beauty stack and war and stuff who like looked at my pitch deck and tore the pitch deck apart and and offered advice and that sort of stuff um but um yeah absolutely it is it is um it is a it's a new thing and, and we know that you know to be invested in as like a queer black woman is a rarity it is and it's a, it's a it's a huge it's a, it's a huge thing it just it doesn't happen very often um so yeah not to underestimate the intensity of that process because it is an intense process so man repeller just yesterday announced that they're closing down and people are kind of saying that it's because leandra medine who was the founder stepped away a few months ago and that the man repeller brand was just way too tied to her what did you make of that whole situation um and i guess how hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Did you avoid falling into the same trap with Galdium? Yeah, I don't think, I don't think, like, I'm not the brand. Galdem is a brand in itself and it's a business in itself and it runs and it has positions and roles that facilitate that to happen. I can't speak on or I don't know anything about that business model or how that was structured. But, um, yeah, I mean, a good, a good business should be able to run in a way without mm-hmm. me, you know? <laughs> 
Um, not, not without me entirely, of course, but I think in terms of me as CEO, I think, I think you should be able to find the right person to come in and, and take over. And Galdem is about the community that we serve and the incredible roster of talent that we work with and the team that we have and the work that we produce, you know, the work I think speaks for itself. And so that shouldn't be, that shouldn't be a concern. I think, no, I couldn't, I, I wouldn't have been able to do this two years ago or a year ago or you know it had to be at the right moment when the business was in a place where it could happen um but no Galdon's not folding Galdon is <laughs> great and I'm going to be there to drive it and strategize and like I said for the first year I'm working really really closely with Marielle to support her in the new role and Charlie and the rest of the the team um and I'm and I'm going to be on the board as president of the board and I'm going to be there and I don't want to annoy Marielle and I want her to have the time and space to make it her own. So it's just getting that balance right, of course, because it's her vision and, and, and time to come in and kind of steer the ship. But um, yeah, no, that shouldn't, it, it shouldn't be the case. And I think it's, it's unusual for someone who founds a, an organisation to, to stay in the same role for the entire time that the business exists. I, I feel like that's, somewhat unheard of this year we've kind of seen this trend of a lot of the businesses that were part of that so-called girl boss generation where their ceos have been ousted there's been lots of instagram apologies and the main problem seems to be that brands kind of say their values are one thing and then it comes out that the way that they actually behave as a business is in direct contradiction to that how do you kind of navigate being a brand with such obvious strong values while also doing kind of commercial partnership. Do you ever find that difficult or do those things kind of tend to align quite naturally? Um, it t- it's tended to work out quite well. I think that brands approach us because they know what we believe in. Um, and of course, brands might approach us and there'll be brands there that will say that it's not a great fit or look, we've covered your organisation in this way and these are the reasons why it's not a good fit for us. You know, I think we're very honest about that. We have our own set of criteria that's ever shifting. It's imperfect because of the structures and the systems that we live in. I think it's a, it's a continual process of reevaluating what does and doesn't work as well as having that criteria or adapting that criteria and looking at things on a case by case basis and trying to have as open um, conversations as, um, as possible really. So that, um, so that we can flag anything which feels like it's not a, a great fit for us. But yeah, I mean, we, we work with organisations that we feel like there's um, enough alignment with and, and are ultimately going to be providing something great for our audience, be that content or be that opportunity or be that training or be that, you know, I think if you look at our partnerships, they, they all feel meaningful, you know, whether that's a documentary with Levi's looking at um, a kind of investigative series, looking at the queer people that have shaped different parts of the UK through their activism or whether that is um a, a, we did a really great piece with Nike on on and of research on um sporting and 14 year old girls and why that tends to be the year that they drop off and we ran this kind of amazing um week of activity for 14 year old girls during the holidays a while back and that was with um headed up by an amazing youth worker called Tanya Compass or it's um or it's you know we just partnered with the BBC in the face on um, promo for I May Destroy where we created a digital zine looking at consent. I think that there are really interesting and creative ways that you can build out partnerships. That's not necessarily like a, you know, of course, yeah, we do also have um, ad, ad, site, ad units on site, 
But I think that there are so many different ways and things that you can do through partnerships that feel really interesting and engaging and serve a purpose. You spoke in an interview, Alison, too, about the importance of persistence and that you basically harassed your way into your first job. Intention. <laughs> I was that annoying person, yeah. You say on Galdem that even if people don't hear back on their pitches, that they should keep sending in new ones and to not be disheartened. Can you talk about why you think it's important to not take no for an answer when it comes to work? Listen, if I said if I took people's no's, then Galdem like wouldn't necessarily have continued like I was told no before I'd, I'd even um reached out to people I think I was told no from a bunch of funders from the uni from all of these people who didn't want to give money to help get it off the ground if you listen to that if we'd listened to that you know it, it, it wouldn't have happened and and just because someone doesn't see value in something it doesn't mean that it doesn't have value um and I've also, I'm, I've also probably pitched ideas that aren't great, which shouldn't, which shouldn't get picked up on, but that doesn't mean that I'm a terrible journalist and writer. Although like everyone else, I also, you know, have very deep imposter syndrome and, and, and get worried that I'm rubbish at everything that I do, that I shouldn't be in the spaces that I am or that I don't deserve the platform that I have and all of these things, right? And that go through your mind, the little devil being like, you're not good enough. Um, but but you know we have to we have to build up um, a, a degree of resilience. We really do. We really really do. It's important. Failing is a part of the process. Um, you know I pitch so many things. Like I pitch a few. Well not not yeah no I know so many like personally type projects this year and like so many of them didn't become a thing. Um, and yeah you're sad and you love things and you nurture things. I worked on this amazing pilot with a close friend of mine and it didn't end up. Um, passing through the piloting stage and we were both really upset because we'd put so much into this um but um I I that was like a, a audio show and but I think I think it's I think it's a part of the process sadly it's the part it's a part of being a creative it's that sometimes things happen and sometimes things don't happen and and good things will happen and I think it's about re- remembering that and not fearing failure and internalizing internalizing that and viewing that as a reflection on who you are as a person because it's not you have a younger sister who is 13 or 14 if I remember correctly and we were interested in the kind of conversations that you have with her her age demographic is kind of increasingly becoming the Gaudem target demographic so I'm wondering about the differences you see in her generation versus our generation um they're all she and I was and switched on and like knows about what's going on in the world and has like really strong and solid and back upable um, opinions on things. And she was telling me about how she wasn't sure about some of the like the political climate within some of the people that go to her school and their opinions. And I feel like those that was not vocabulary vocabulary or language or like assessment that I would have had at that age and that stage. So I think she blows me away. I've given, she's the only person, I haven't even sent this to my literary agent yet, but I'm working on um, a novel. And I like, she's the person that I like will get to read things to sense check stuff and, and like be like, is this awful? What do you think? She's really smart. Like I say, honestly, she's smarter than I am. Um, so that's the biggest difference that, you know, I think her and her, her peers are just, they're really switched on. They're aware they have really good politics um, and they, and they, and they're, I don't know, I'm just always like, are you my baby sister? Like, but you're not a baby anymore. You're, a, you're like a, this, not an adult, you're still a child, but you're like this human 
small human, not small human, she's taller than me, but this human, this cute human that has all of these like opinions and perspectives and is like, can sit down and I can have a real conversation with her. I, I just feel like 13, 14 year old Liv, would you have been able to have had like a deep conversation with her about- No, I think my sister had, so stupid at that been, No, it's so dumb. I was just like drinking on Peck and Rye, like just not behaving like her and her friends. They don't really go out though. That's the, that is one thing they're like, they can talk a lot on, on these things, phones and stuff. That's probably one difference where I'm like, you should also be a person IRL. Um, but it's, it's different. And also obviously life has changed, um, in the past year or so but um but yeah I'm, I'm really like I just I look up to her and I learn a lot from her and I think I don't know if I would have learned a lot from me at 14. We know you're a huge kind of fan slash friend of slash advocate for Michaela Cole and have been for a huge amount of her career um we just wanted to ask how you felt when you saw I May Destroy You and the kind of amazing justified feedback that came around it. Yeah, I think um, it's just such a brilliant show and she's an amazing person and just talented human being. Um, and so, um, yeah, I mean, blew me away. Blew me away. I think it was so needed. I mean, the, the one thing that, that, that saddens me is that I'm like, you know what, she's probably the only um, person who's creating content that I feel like, oh my gosh, amazing, this resonates and touches with me in a big, significant way in the UK um, and, I, and I really want there to be to be like space for and all of the broadcasters that are now talking about really like pushing diversity and really wanting to see new perspectives and, and, and things on screen. I want them to actually commit to it because she's amazing but she can't carry the expectation to represent all of us all the time. It's impossible, right? Um, but yeah, I think, she's, I think she's phenomenal, like really, really phenomenal. Um, and so it was such a, such a joy for Gowdham's partnerships team to be able to work on um, kind of promo and, and looking at the themes around the show, it, it raised some really important questions around consent um, and mental health and um, so much sexuality, so much. So, yeah. And it was shocking to us, although I guess we shouldn't have been surprised to read about how difficult she found it to get like anything over the fucking line, to get executive producer status, to get ownership status of any of the rights of the show. She tried to go to Netflix and then they didn't pick it up. Um, It's kind of crazy because you you can just see how people would just become disheartened and just give up at that point. Mm, Exactly, exactly. Thank you again so much, Liv. We're really sorry for the technical difficulties. Thank you. No, thanks for having me. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you. It was such a pleasure to talk to you. Um, and we hope your uni talk goes well today. Thank you. Thank you. Lots of, I've got two talks today, so let's get it done. <laughs> okay, thank you again. Take care. But thank you so much. <laughs> Bye. 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 Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.